You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Oh, man, I am so excited, uh, Be The Bridge community. Um, This is a voice that I have listened to uh, for a while. We met back in Seattle, Washington a, a few years ago, and we've stayed connected. And I just have the honor to introduce her um, to the community again. She's done some stuff in our BIPOC group before, but I want you um, to meet her. Um, And she is a phenomenal woman. Her name is Inez Velasquez McBride. And she is a pastor, a preacher, a reconciler, a speaker. Um, She's the co-lead of a church um, entitled The Church We Hope For. How beautiful is that name? The church mm-hmm. we hope for. Thank um, you. That is our prayer. Um, she's planted a multi-ethnic church with her co-pastor Bobby Harrison in Southern California. Um, Ines um, earned her Master of Divinity at Fuller and has 20 years of combined ministry experience in church planning and pastoral staff leadership in multi-ethnic churches. She could really speak into multi-ethnic churches. Um, she was the recipient of the um, um, the Ian Pats Watson Preaching Award at Fuller Seminary and has spoken in local church pulpits across the nation as well as national and regional conferences, sharing her passion for multi-ethnic church planning, racial reconciliation, justice, all the things that we love, and the full inclusion of women in pastoral leadership. Um, she is originally from Nicaragua, Nicaragua and has Nicaragua, lived in the Nicaragua. United States for over 20 years. She has been married to her husband, Rob, for 17 years. Um, she is a soccer mom to their son, Nash, and she loves telling stories. So I just want you guys to welcome um, Ines to the Be The Bridge community. And we're going to get started here. We have so much to talk about, um, and especially as it relates to multi-ethnic church. And um, hopefully you can glean from um, just her expertise in this area. Tell us a little bit about your journey from Arkansas to California and planting um, this church and what brought about this passion and desire to plant a multi-ethnic church. Thank you, Tasha. First and foremost, thank you for having me here. It is a joy uh, to be here and an honor. And I love conversing about this. I am passionate about this. And I think this is why we connected so well because we're kindred spirits. So um, yes, my name is Ines. And um, even before Arkansas, I want to honor my ancestors by saying uh, that I I am constantly nourished by the work of justice and Mm. the work of of the faith of my people and the faith of my ancestors in Mm. Nicaragua. I grew up in Nicaragua 
up until high school, when I graduated high school, this is when I moved to the U.S. to go to college. And I, my grandfather was a pastor. My father is a pastor mm-hmm. and an immigrant pastor in Arkansas. And I'm third generation pastor, but the first female. So all of that to me is legacy that comes behind me as mm. even as I'm preaching and mm. I'm standing and I'm leading and I'm pastoring and I'm church planting now uh, for such a time as this, all the strength of my ancestors, mm. all the wisdom, all the struggles that they face mm. are with me at all times. And I speak from that place, from mm. that Nicaraguan soil. And, and I say that because the immigrant church in the U.S. is a gift, mm. is a gift to it the is. U.S. church. It we is. are a gift to the U.S. church. The brown church is a gift to the U.S. church. We are a means of God's grace. And so... I never just stand alone. I bring my people with me. Mm. And just like you bring your people with you and together um, we are causing a disruption of reconciliation, pointing towards reconciliation. So I moved to Arkansas in 2001, 20 years ago, believe it or not, time flies so so fast. And I helped a church plant Mosaic Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. So this is my second time church planting. It is not my first time. And so in 2001, I will say that I was baptized in the racism of the South. Mm. That's where I had to excavate the history of the land. I had to excavate mm. the history of Arkansas. We were uh, planting Mosaic Church in Little Rock in the highest crime rate area of the city, mm. uh, just a few blocks down from Central High, Central High School, which is a national historic site. So you had to excavate that land, right? You had to mm. excavate right. that this is a lynching state. You had to excavate mm. that Silas Hunt was the first African-American that was accepted and took classes at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. I had to learn that history mm. in order to understand the work that we were doing in 2001. Mm. Silas Hunt was the first uh, African-American to, to, uh, to be accepted at the U of A and his first classes took place in the boiler room downstairs in the boiler room because he was not allowed to take classes in in the classroom with other students and so you have to understand that history that systemic history to to be able to understand how to plant a multi-ethnic church in arkansas mm. wow. i had to understand the black white binary as well because mm. As a Latina and as an immigrant who didn't grow up here, I had to be grafted into the history of the U.S. and then also grafted into the history history of the Hispanic narrative. Mm. So not growing up here and being first gen, um, I had to understand the struggles of my my Hispanic familia here in the U.S. and I had mm-hmm. to understand this hyphenated identity uh, of of not being American enough, not being Latina enough. Uh, of of the second gen children, which now my child is a second gen child. So I say all that because it's important to know in the work of reconciliation, what land are we standing on? Mm. What are the history of the peoples? What are the history of the struggles? Who was excluded? Who was left out? And so um, I was able to understand the Latino um, immigration uh, wave that was happening in Arkansas back then. And we were building a, a multi-ethnic church that had black and white in the international community because we were close to the University of Arkansas in Little Rock and in the Latino community as well. And I was baptized in, into, that, mm. into that fire, I would say. 
you know, it was, it was foreign to me to be told that I couldn't drive through some towns in Arkansas because mm. it would be dangerous to me. I just couldn't fathom it. I said, listen, that, that's, that's for the movies. That, that was right. 50 years ago. What do you mean I can't go through, drive mm. through Harrison, Arkansas? You can just Google Harrison, Arkansas. It was in the news last year. And so all of that, um, all of that baptized me and, um, and tested my theological convictions about what does the gospel say about reconciliation mm. and then what kind of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Because quickly I found out, and I lived in Arkansas for 15 years, seven and a half of those years on staff at a multi-ethnic church and then seven and a half-ish of those years on staff at a predominantly white church that wanted to become multi-ethnic. Often I found out that people wanted proximity mm. to people of color in the pew, but they did not want proximity to the pain of people of color outside of the pew. So what kind of reconciliation, right? What yes. kind of reconciliation it. are we talking about? Yes. And uh, that was the growing pains, that was uh, the testing of my faith, you know, uh, reconciliation to me during those years became central to the gospel of Jesus. As I look at the gospels, as I look at the life of Jesus mm -hmm. and the ethics of Jesus, because Jesus has an ethic to his love mm. uh, and Jesus has a justice to his love. Uh, as I looked at that more and more, uh, reconciliation no longer was a side effect of the gospel for me or, or, mm. or like a sidekick. It needed mm -hmm. to be central. It needed to be critical and not a sidekick. Mm. And so we did that work and I did that work, met my husband there at the first church plant, got married uh, in 2004. And then in 2016, um, God called us to come here to California for me to attend seminary. I had always gone to seminary. I had been doing the work of, uh, of, of multi-ethnic church. Um, and I thought my, my, my ship had sailed and, and that dream was not gonna come true, but I had an opportunity. Uh, my, my friend, Bobby Harrison, who I'm co-pastoring with right now, he and his wife and children, they moved here to California to attend Fuller. And as soon as he came here, he said, you know what, Arkansas is holding you back. And these, this church, our previous church, is holding you back and it, it has a ceiling capped on you mm. and your voice your voice is, is, is bigger than that. Mm. And you should see all the women and the women of color that I'm sitting under, that I'm learning under. And so long story short, I came to visit the campus and in 2016, we moved here for, for me to get my MDiv. And during that time, you know, 2016 happened, the election happened. And then, mm. you know, a couple years ago, the pandemic happened. Um, mm -hmm. So the last six years that we've been here in our, excuse me, in California, have been really hard. I've been yeah. pursuing my theological studies, graduated, was a chaplain at Fuller for, for a couple of years. But during that time we were discerning God, um, are you going to call us again to plant a church? And if mm. so, where? Um, Arkansas was not welcoming me back. You know, my previous mm. church, uh, after the 2016 election changed, uh, changed towards me, changed towards who I was Mm. Um, or, or really just became exposed to what they really thought about me. Yeah. Uh, the more I spoke about reconciliation, a robust reconciliation, the more I spoke about justice, the more I spoke about uh, immigration reform and, and compassion, mm -hmm. compassion towards 
uh, the, the disgraceful treatment of brown people at the border, the more I did that, the more upset they became. Mm-hmm. Um, with, and, and so eventually I was disinherited from that church and yeah. pretty much kicked out of that church. And that's why, why do you think, um, you know, because this is the story of so many brown people right now mm. uh, where they've been faithful, serving, living in community, in small groups, in churches. And 2016 was a turning point. It and was. Um, for so even so many of my friends who were in predominantly white churches at that time or either. Um, assimilated multi-ethnic churches um, and that was where they felt unwelcome when they were speaking um, the truth in how we should be looking at um, you know those that are considered the least of these or um, those that are our neighbors um, and I think I just want to go back mm. and before bef- I want I want you to answer that, you know, why did mm-hmm. I want you know what has happened. But I wanted there was something you said that was really poignant at the beginning of our conversation mm. when you were talking about um I wish I could say Nicaragua like oh, you say perfect. it. You, you know. It. But I would no, I wanted to say it no. You your R's roll. I wanna <laughs> I have a little bit of practice exactly. when I was a child. <laughs> But I wish I could say it like that. But when you were talking about how say it together. The, your ancestors mm. are with you and you stand mm. in their presence and their strength and yes. how the brown church, the mm. immigrant church is a gift to America. Mm. That yes. right there. Oh. I say like, like there's so much Thank in you. that statement. Yes. And I wanted us to just revisit that because I don't, yes. we don't see that. And it mm. is the multicultural, um, cross-cultural um, mm. um, expression of God within the church is mm. a gift to be received, mm. not um, not something to be rejected. And it's mm. being rejected. And that's just a part of um, mm. superiority, supremacy mm. um, that we see how it plays out. But just... Can you hmm. speak to that? And yes. then also to um, the 2016 yeah. and the shift that has happened. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's connected. But yeah. thank you for your kindness, Tasha, yeah. to say pause and let's revisit that. Um, it just shows your heart. <laughs> the heart mm-hmm. of God is in you and wanting to pause and say, what do you mean when, when you say that? You know, when I say that, that my ancestors are with me. Uh, my Nicaraguan ancestors, I think about the whole land of the Americas mm-hmm. that was colonized, you know, by Spaniards mm-hmm. um, and, and, and received such mistreatment, mm-hmm. you know, and <clears throat> see what whiteness does, whiteness as a system, mm-hmm. whether it's Spain or uh, white America, <clears throat> what it does is, is it deforms mm-hmm. who we are as people yeah. of color. And mm-hmm. so when colonizers and Spaniards came and colonized the Americas, it deformed who we were as a people. It mm-hmm. deforms our identity, deformed our body, stripped us mm-hmm. of resources, natural resources that God had given us. Uh, it, land was taken, people were taken, languages mm-hmm. were taken. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I think of Nicaragua, I think of a people that have had to fight to keep their identity. Mm-hmm. And, but, but now we're very, we're, we, 
I have, I always say I have colonizer blood and colonized blood in me. Mm. We're, we're, we have that mixed identity. And so my ancestors who had to fight uh, to, to remain in the land, to keep mm. our traditions, to, to fight for independence, you know, in 1821, all of that struggle, I think I find is in me. Mm. And so all of that struggle, I, I sense that my abuelita, my grandmother, they speak to me Mm. Because when I hear the rhyme of that oppression repeated throughout history, mm-hmm. I recognize it. My body recognizes mm. it. So the fight against being assimilated or against being taken and my language taken. I remember going to detention because I was speaking Spanish in class and not, and not English because I was going mm. to a bilingual school. And uh, so I was taken to detention. I had to stay afterwards because I was punished for speaking my own language. Well, what does that sound like, Tasha? What does that sound like to you? Mm. I, the more we excavate um, our Native American siblings mm. and how they were castigated and punished mm-hmm. for speaking Spanish, yes. or excuse me, for speaking their native languages mm-hmm. and their, their hair cut and their, and their clothes change. And so mm. what I see is in my historical past, I see an oppression and there's a mm-hmm. rhyme to it. It has a certain beat, a certain tone to it. Mm-hmm. And that oppression changes over time changes in shape it just racism shape shifts throughout throughout yes and so when i think about um also u.s americans coming to nicaragua my father did a lot of work in community development my father and my mother did a lot of work they had an ngo in nicaragua that brought a lot of medical and dental help to nicaragua Mm -hmm. during the 80s and 90s um because there was a U.S. embargo in Nicaragua. And that's where I was discipled into justice, just jumping in, in my dad's Toyota Land Cruiser, four-wheel drive, going into the mountains. I spoke a little bit of English. He spoke a little bit of English, and I was translating for a lot of missionaries. What I saw was also the, how, how American missionaries sometimes mistreated my father and came to Nicaragua as if, I'm coming to save you. Mm. And I'm coming with a vision of what, what God has given us for the Nicaraguan church without mm. ever asking what vision had God given the Nicaraguan leaders, you know, mm. this condescension and treating us as if we were less than. Often, often, and even in my eagerness working in some medical teams, uh, things were said to me that were, you know, inappropriate. And I could see what it was. There was a hierarchy of supremacy, mm. right, in, mm-hmm. in looking down at us. And so you see how missionary activity in other countries also has been colonized, where you go to tell people what to do and you come with a white savior complex. Now, people of color, we can do that as well. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's it's an an inherited um, idea that others need our help and we help in ways that hurt. Mm -hmm. We help instead of giving people agency and amplifying their Mm -hmm. voices. Um, I remember my father telling me a story. So my father was a pastor, uh, but he did a lot of community development work. And and this uh, American missionary came to Nicaragua, and uh, my father wanted to build a clinic connected to our church. And he was working really hard because uh, we needed medical help. Mm-hmm. And this 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 missionary came with a check with thousands of dollars and said, "I'm going to give you this amount of dollars," and uh, what. And to help you build this clinic, but we would like for you to change the name of the church to our, like the U.S. church, the English name. 
And my dad said that he slid, slid back the check over the, across the table and said, no, thank you. And the American missionary was like, what do you mean? You're not even going to like, this is a lot of money. Like we're giving you thousands of dollars to build, to build this clinic. You're not even going to pray about it. And my dad said, I already did. Mm. Because mm. what you're coming here, you mm. know that we have a need. You're coming to give me this. And then you're going to tell me what to mm. do. You're going to change the name of our Nicaraguan Spanish name mm. to the American name to, to cl lay claim on this work, mm. lay claim on the name of the church. So how is that going to shift the identity of our people? Mm. That, that small moment there, I think, instilled in me the strength of our ancestors saying, hell no. Right. Excuse mm. my French, Tasha. <laughs> That's good. Hell no, you're not going to come here and lay claim on my body, on the building, on this mm. land. Do you see the rhyme of the oppression yeah. that just happens? Oh, it mm. shapeshifts. Yeah. It, you don't have to come in Spanish boats from U Europe mm -hmm. anymore. We can arrive with that kind of yes. supremacist mentality. Yes. And so my father's mm. strength, just watching him, just watching him, how he dealt and negotiated and navigated a, a missionary movement that often, often saw us as less than. I had to remember that our people are good. Mm. That my people are good and, and we are smart and we have our own, <laughs> our own um, dreams mm. and visions for our people. But whiteness has distorted us at times and we, we have to re relay claim to our bodies. Mm. How does that connect to a, the brown church being a means of grace uh, if you want to see people if you want to see god on the move look at the people that are moving and migrating mm. that's what i mean by uh, yes. the brown church is a means of god's grace mm. we are in a season in, in in history where this is the largest uh, movement of refugees across globally right i'm sure jenny yang our friend mm -hmm. jenny could give us more statistics on that but if we want to see god on the move look at the people that are migrating Look at our biblical ancestors. Abram was an Aramean uh, wanderer. Mm -hmm. From the get-go, God said, go and leave. Yes. Leave and go to a land mm -hmm. that I will show you. Uh, and so we want to see uh, God in our churches, in our, in our buildings, but maybe we need to look outside. Uh, maybe God is in the bodies, not in the buildings. Mm. Maybe God is in the bodies that are moving uh, mm -hmm. the, our Haitians uh, siblings who are uh, at the border as well as Central Americans who are at the border. Um, mm -hmm. There is the brown Jesus, mm -hmm. desperate, hungry. We will all have to give an account, Tasha, you mm -hmm. and I, yes. for, for what Matthew 25 says. When did, Lord, when did we see you in yeah. a cage at the border? Lord, when mm -hmm. did we see you crossing the river because you were escaping violence? Um, mm -hmm. I experienced a lot of violence in Nicaragua. I, I can only imagine, I don't have to imagine why Central American migrants will, would be crossing a border that is mm -hmm. dangerous. If it isn't that, it's not safer mm -hmm. at home. Mm -hmm. And so we don't see God in the bodies of migrants. Mm -hmm. So that too connects to your other question. Mm -hmm. why, why did my church in Arkansas change how they saw me after the 2016 election? Because I think the North American church, uh, but even the global church, depending on what ideologies you come from, we, we put so much importance on the soul 
and mm. lesser importance on the bodies connected mm. to those souls. But Jesus came as a brown Palestinian uh, man born mm. to a woman that was not yet married to, to, to sweat like us, to, to, to mm. grieve like us, to be hungry like us, to be mm. thirsty like us. That's why he says, when did we see you? You're going to see yes. me hungry. You're going to see me thirsty. Mm. What is he saying? Mm. Jesus is saying is that he doesn't only care that our souls go to heaven. He right. cares about how we treat each other's bodies. Yeah. And so a Christianity that doesn't care about the body will be a Christianity that oppresses bodies, mm. that dehumanizes bodies, even more that desecrates bodies. Yes. And all we have to look at is, is the history of colonization in the Americas. Our women were raped. Our lands were taken. Mm -hmm. Our children, you know, also were, their hair were mm -hmm. cut off uh, to, to get the in, indigenous, to get the Indian out of them. Mm -hmm. That too happened in the Americas. And so mm. a Christianity that doesn't care about the body is one that will, that will uh, desecrate and dehumanize. Yeah. Yeah. And so after the 2016 election, our, we were crying out for black bodies. Mm-hmm. We were crying out for Native American bodies. We mm -hmm. were crying out during the pandemic for Asian American bodies that were being uh, assaulted and mm -hmm. insulted and mm -hmm. desecrated uh, in mm -hmm. the anti-Asian hate. We were crying mm -hmm. out for brown bodies at the border. Mm -hmm. And the more I spoke up ab about that after the 2016 election, my church said, we, we want you to talk about Jesus, but we don't want you to talk about justice. Yeah. And you and I know that we can't have Jesus without justice. justice. So I think that 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 become exposed. It was always there. Yeah, it's the essence. This is the part where this separation, this I think is and I think it comes just from individualistic cultures and even how mm -hmm. we read the Bible in Western culture where yes. we are a collective, we're a whole like, I mean, Jesus cares about the whole and we see this time and time throughout scripture. Yes. But it's like, yes, we, we, it's like, we believe we should believe what we see, but yes. we see what we believe. Mm, yes. And that, and that culture has really yes. deformed our lens. It's deformed our thinking when we can try to separate. Yes. Jesus from justice. And yes. it's like, it's the essence of who Jesus is like, we we are only <laughs> yes adopted into the family of God because of justice yes you know uh, right. you know and and and, and Ooh, it's I like love that. I don't know it's just it's just one of those yes. things and um just you know I it's just so many I don't think the church will understand I think maybe thirty years twenty years from now there will be studies on this time period by you know future generations to really, to the, the break, because something broke, I think, um, during that time, you know, um, trust, um, yes. you know, where we, where it's like, okay, I believe that we're brothers and sisters, right. and I'm willing to step into your environment right. and lock arms with you um, so that we can, um, on earth as it is in heaven, you yes. know, I'm, I'm willing to kind of give up my style 
of worship. Yeah. Um, my my worship language. Um, and 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 understand and walk in this space so that there can be unity, solidarity, a deeper yes. understanding of a proximity, and realizing that wasn't reciprocated. You know, that's right. And in a lot of places, in some places it was. You know, where people yeah. are listening, and I had that experience in my last church, but. But for so many, it was this rejection of people. There have been so many people that, you know, um, brown people that have fled predominantly white churches, you know, um, over the last, you know, four years and the pandemic most, (laughs) I interviewed probably about seven friends and most of them that didn't leave before the pandemic, um, let use the pandemic as a way to, as a way of escape. You know, yeah, just the um, exodus out, the exodus out. Mm-hmm. And there has been a mass exodus and most have left silently. Yes. Um, most have left silently. But anyway, that's yeah, that's just something. And, I, and I'm telling you, those of you who are listening, um, if you have ears to hear, please hear. And, you know, and and if you have courage, you know, some of you Mm. who are my white brothers and sisters and you haven't seen some of your brown brothers and sisters Mm. in in your church. um, Reach out and 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 tell Mm. them they're missed or like if you, you know, reach out and find out why without trying to explain it away. Right. You know, just to listen, Um, to listen, Listen. to listen. Leadership begins with listening. Yes, yes, yes. So you Mm. go ahead. I mean, but that's, that's so important um, in the church we hope for and how, um, but I think all of that, what you said that just really painting that picture is so important um, to this um, conversation. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And in the multi-ethnic church movement, uh, when I think about the brown church, the gifts of the brown church, uh, bringing, uh, if, if, we are, if we are allowed to lead it in, in our voices and our values to be implanted into the, heart of a, uh, the heartbeat of a multi-ethnic church, we can only be better together. Because going mm. back to what you said about different worldviews, um, uh, we bring in uh, uh, principles of familia. How mm. we see the church is how we see familia. We bring in resilience. We bring mm. in the, the, the hard work of our ancestors. We bring mm. a strong faith that also had to, mm. that also had to uh, be strong in the face of, of chaos, in the face of war, in the face of struggle, mm. in the face of famine. We bring a, a grit uh, to our grace that is mm. that would be a gift to the North American church, that mm. is a gift to the North American church, and that often um, it has been rejected. You know, it was it was a shock for me to move to the U.S. and to see that it was easier for uh, North American missionaries to cross the border south to go to Nicaragua, but they wanted nothing to do with my pain when I crossed the border north mm. into the U.S. And it didn't make sense. My years mm. of missionary activity mm. and helping, you know, didn't mm. make sense. But here we are as as a church, the church we hope for. Um, being that I'm the co-lead pastor, uh-huh. a lot of this brown church theology and brown mm. church love from the get-go has been implanted in the womb mm. of our church. Yeah. And it gives me great joy yes. to start something that I've never seen before. Mm. So uh, I don't know if that's where you were headed, Tasha, but no, <laughs> so I, you, no, you mentioned is, no, the church we great. hope for as a multi-ethnic church. Yes. It's, it's, the, it's a culmination of uh, all my life of what I've learned 
from my my Nicaraguan faith and, and mm-hmm. the strength of the Nicaraguan church, the strength of our abuelitas who prayed, prophesied, taught, fed people mm. in the midst of wars and famines. And it's also um, the culmination of 15 years of planting multi-ethnic church in the South. So mm-hmm. understanding U.S. systemic racism. Mm. And, and I'm doing now what I said I would never do before. again. I was like, I'm never planting a multi-ethnic church again. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> it is. It but is. Jesus. It's but difficult. Jesus. Yes. And our, our church, uh, the vision of our church is that we're a beloved community, moved by the Spirit mm. to follow the life, love, and justice of Jesus. Yes. That's our vision statement. And and that, that didn't come from, from heaven in stone tablets. We we met for months before that vision statement uh, was created and it was community informed. Mm, mm. We got together to see what is God doing here? Yes. What is Jesus mm-hmm. doing here? And those were the words that rose up. Oh, we mm. were a beloved community. That's a nod to Dr. King, yeah. actually, the beloved community. Mm. And then moved by the spirit, the next section in our in our vision statement, because we want to be like the like the church in Acts. Mm. The early church in Acts to me is, is an immigrant church. Yeah. It's a migrant mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. because the, the, the work of the Spirit in the book of Acts, it's a border crossing work. It's a boundary breaking God. Mm. And mm. so moved by the Spirit is not just, oh, a cute Holy Spirit. It is a border crossing Spirit. Mm. And it's mm. a boundary breaking God. Mm. It is the same spirit that moved Jesus to go through Samaria because he had to talk to that woman, that Samaritan woman, and he is crossing borders when he asks, can I get a drink? And I have no water jar, but she notes, you don't have a water jar. You mean Mm. you're going to put your lips in my water jar? Mm. Like, don't you know that in 1956, there was different water fountains, right? Mm. Mm. In high schools in Arkansas, where it's, it's still there in the National Historic mm-hmm. Site. You can it's painted over, but you can see white and colored mm-hmm. on those water fountains. So what is Jesus saying? Yeah. What is Jesus saying through his actions? We don't need to only pay attention to the words of Jesus. We need to pay, pay attention to the verbs of Jesus, mm. to the mm. verbs of Jesus. Mm. His actions have an ethic to them. Mm. He is breaking boundaries by asking to drink from the same water jar, just like there was a fight for integration of water fountains and diners and schools in the South. So yeah. we see the rhyme of the oppression. Who's disrupting that? The spirit of the living God. Mm. So yes. beloved community moved by the spirit to follow the life, love and justice of Jesus. Mm. We want to put Jesus at the center of our church, mm. at the center of our church. Um, 100.9% of our church members have been hurt by the church, including both of us pastors. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've been hurt by the church because the church has not lived up to the liberating power of Jesus. The mm. church has not been a credible witness of the reconciling power of yes. the cross. Mm. And so a lot of our community, it is multi-ethnic, is Asian-American, is African-American, is Latinx, it's white allies, our white family, it's mixed families as well. And everyone has been hurt by the church and justice moves at the speed of repair and it must start mm. with repair. So we are repairing our racially traumatized bodies in this church, mm. racially traumatized by a church, meaning by a Christianity mm. that has not cared for our bodies. Mm. So the first step that are uh, the first newcomers when they come to our church is they're needing to be healed from a lot of church trauma and a lot of racial trauma. 
Uh, but we put Jesus at the center because I say that Jesus is an equal opportunity offender. You know, he will offend his ethics and his love. They will, he will offend anybody. Um, if we're not living up to the love of Jesus, if we're not living right. up to the life of Jesus, and if we're not living up to the justice of Jesus. And mm. so our church has that as a heartbeat, uh, the life, love, and justice of Jesus. And we, we desire to be, um, to be building something that we haven't experienced before mm. together with all the voices in, in equity uh, together to be a credible witness of, of the reconciliation that we think should happen with us and mm. God and then with us and each other, us and each other, us and each other, us and each other. If you've been enjoying and learning from the Be The Bridge podcast, we invite you to join us in this work. You can support and sustain our mission as a recurring partner at bethebridge.com forward slash give. You can also help spread this word of bridge building by supporting and really sporting our apparel. So if you haven't gotten your Be The Bridge hat, sweatshirt, all of the things, let's take the message to the street. Visit our online store at shop.bethebridge.com and make sure we're spreading the word about all the work that Be The Bridge is doing and will do. At Be The Bridge, we're doing the work to empower people and culture toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial reconciliation. And this work is only possible because of the generosity of bridge builders like you. So thank you so much for those of you who are listening and sharing our podcast, sharing our posts, those of you who are giving to this work um, that's helping us create resources and material um, that will transform hearts. Um, So join us at bethebridge.com forward slash give and let's continue to build bridges together. Thank you so much. That's so beautiful. And I and I think like churches like yours are needed. And I hear just from so many people, um, you know, from our white brothers and sisters, um, you know, um, you know, our uh, Latinx community, just Asian community where everybody's seeking that. Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the things is there's still you should. I mean, if you're in a homogenous church. There should still be a longing um, because not one culture represents the vastness of who God is. It takes, That's right. you know, every nation and tribe for us to understand, like our culture, our language is created by God. Mm. And when we, we don't realize that and when we don't see that, um, we're missing so much when expressions of our faith have been yes. isolated and rejected um, in so many of the prominent, what you would say, um, 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 expansions of um, of the faith, you know, um, w- w- when we talk about some of the um, just just things that things that the movements of the church, you know, um, yeah. there's voices that have been left out, you know, yes. um, when you think about reformation and just different yeah. like, and there's something missing. Right. And, and, you know, and so my prayer is that God would give people eyes to see what is missing. Like one of the things I feel like that the Brown church brings, mm. um, also into, um, our faith, into our worship experience, that of lament, Mm, you know, that's and, right. and, and when you think about it and, and, you know, we talk about this a lot 
and and be the bridge. There's so much power yes. and restoration and life and lament. And when we we look at half the Psalms are about That's lament. Right. That's There's right. a book in the Bible, and so we see the importance. But in a lot of the Western theology, it's 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 not there. Right. You know. Yeah. And I think that's something that is is broad when we talk about liberation. You mentioned right. that understanding, you know, the yeah. liberating faith of Jesus, like from Genesis to Revelation. That's right. You know, um, when we look at the slave Bible, um, mm. you see so many books of the Bible that were were left out, and all the ones like that that had has this liberating theme. You know, Exodus, the entire book of Exodus. Wow. Yes. It's right. Left out. Yeah. And so we see the power of it. Right. And that's why it was left. It out. was left out, you know, for, for people not to hone the agency of, of right. liberation, and, right. you know? And so, um, but God has a way, you right. know, cause right. I, I look at, you know, Harriet Tubman who was taught from that Bible. Hmm. But still God moved and mm. spoke and mm-hmm. led. And she is not a fairy tale person. Right. She was a real living human living, being. Breathing. Yes, that was led by the Spirit of God. That's right. That that freed hundreds of people returning to the yes. South several over times over. over again. I mean, uh, basically, um, a general in the army during the civil war, like, yep. you know, all of these things and then dying in poverty. Yes. You know, Whew. so it's, it's there, there is a, a reckoning, yes. you know, and I feel like there was an opportunity. There's an opportunity that the church is being presented for the church yes. is, there is an opportunity for the church to see itself. And I, and I feel like, some of the things that has happened over the last few years have been a gift of God for us to wake up and see. Yes. And then there's been a doubling down. Yes. There's been a doubling down, you know, that, so that's been, that's been the hard part. Yes. That yes. Reckoning has to, has to begin with repentance. Mm. And if there's yes. no lamentation, there cannot yes. be liberation. Exactly. And that's one of the gifts as well that the Brown Woo, can Say bring. it again. Cause you just said <laughs> it was just so beautiful the way you said it. <laughs> If there is no lamentation, yes. there cannot be liberation. Yes. If we do not begin with lamenting mm. uh, the, the, the sins of ancestors, the mm. systemic uh, grief of whole mm. entire peoples excluded and bodies desecrated, no matter what people group, if we mm. don't have lamentation, there cannot be liberation. Mm. And so Amen. that's the critique that we have of the North American church, that the North mm. American church has been complicit mm. in protecting and perpetuating systemic racism. And so until we repent, we cannot repair. Until we lament, yeah. we cannot be liberated together. Right, right. Uh, just when, if, if I have hurt you and, or mm. you have hurt me and we yeah. have hurt each other and we don't come and repent, we can't just throw things under the rug and yeah. keep moving forward because that's going to come eat, eat us up later on. Yeah. And so the reckoning uh, since 2016 and the pandemic that has exposed, if we see this as an opportunity and a divine opportunity to repent, then there's hope for reconciliation. If mm. we see that it's an opportunity to lament and our church has been 
often has been lamenting. Uh, we, we, we lament really well at our church. Um, uh, if there is lamentation, then there, there can be a, a yeah. liberation. Right. Uh, if, if we are familia, and we are, yes. and we're at the table where we're supposed to be feasting at the table of God, but I see that someone else is not feasting, mm. and they're crying, and they're weeping, if we are from the familia of God, and we are, I should not be well if they, mm. somebody else in the familia of God is not well. Yeah. And we, we have forgotten that we are familia. Yeah. Yeah. If we are familia and one person hurts, we ought to find out why. But uh, our bodies have not been yeah. welcomed in these spaces or have not even been welcomed to the table. But we can make new tables. So good. We can so make good. new tables. And we can't just cover up and, you know, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. I, I think, you know, there's this perfect example. I was listening to this documentary and um, they were talking about, um, they were just tracing um, enslavement, especially in the air, in the countries of, um, you know, the Netherlands, Spain, Portugal, and um, Great Britain, um, and, and Brazil. And so one of, they talked about this grave, mass grave site being found in Portugal Ooh. of, um, of, um, of my ancestors, of, of, um, of black bodies, you know, um, from the slave trade that was mm. found, you know, um, up to thousands of bodies that's found. And mm. instead of, you know, you know, excavating those bodies, mm. um, maybe sending them back to Africa for a burial or, mm -hmm. you know, creating a memorial site. And honoring that. Yeah, honoring their lives. Instead of honoring, we would rather cover up. Mm. And, um, yeah. and instead of like excavating those bodies, they built a mini golf in Portugal, a mini golf center over those bodies. Ooh. And I hear we are in the, we are so disconnected mm. from the pain of black mm. and brown people. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, and then it's like so disconnected, like that's like stabbing someone in the heart again, where like these were living human yes. beings. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I, I was watching this and there's just such a, a, a disconnect cause I couldn't imagine Germany finding something like this yeah, and not creating a memorial or right. a, um, honoring um, yeah. the Holocaust. Yes. But the right. difference how we, we treat these, these, you know, yeah. it seems like from, from the 1800s, 1700s to now, we would have learned something, you know? Yes. But we keep trying to erase that history. Like it's right. It's, in that pain, like it's going to go away. Yes. Um, and I, you know, and, and one of the things that, um, you know, I want to, those of you who are listening and if you're a part of a multi-ethnic church, there's one thing mm. that really sticks out, like even in how your leadership mm. is structured in your church, mm -hmm. like you as a co-pastor, yeah. um, you know, I don't know what area in California you are, but mm -hmm. I, I've seen multi-ethnic church multi-ethnic churches that are not multicultural mm -hmm. or churches, um, predominantly white churches that are in predominantly African-American spaces, areas, mm -hmm. neighborhoods, but do not represent that community at all right. in worship or body. What, what yep. would you, how, how is your church doing that? 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you for asking that question, uh, Tasha. So our church, the, the, I want to say something to what you just said about okay. uh, that burial site in Portugal, uh, because it speaks into this as well. Mm. Dr. Alexia Salvatierra, she is the Dean of Central Latino here at Fuller Seminary, and yeah. she is the mother of the sanctuary movement. She's been doing this for I, so long. I've heard I of would, her, yeah. Yes, and uh, there's one phrase, she has many phrases that, that, are mm -hmm. just, that just hit you, but she uh -huh. says, that the lie that justifies every injustice mm. is that some bodies are worth less than others. Mm. The lie that justifies any injustice, mm. whether it's that burial site that you were talking about mm. in Portugal, is that some bodies are worth less than others, so they're not worth, if they're seen as subhuman, if they're mm -hmm. seen as less than, they're not worth giving a proper barrier. They're not worth giving proper health care. They're not worth uh, providing asylum when they're escaping mm -hmm. violence. They're not worth X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. right? That line has crushed me for many years since I heard it. Uh, she was giving a, 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 a lecture on immigration reform. Mm. That carries over into our work of reconciliation. Yes. Whether you and I are entering into a room and we look at the bodies that are represented or not represented in that room, uh, the bodies in multi-ethnic churches. So we have to look at what is the lie that has justified any injustice uh, to where we're standing. Mm. So the church we hope for is here in Pasadena, California. Mm -hmm. And we, of course, we were online for about a year and a half. We, were, we started planting in January of 2020. And then the pandemic hit in March. Yeah. So it was like a funny, haha, not funny, God, moment because there's no handbook to how do you mm. church plant in the pandemic. Um, so we were online. We created a very participatory online community for about a year and a half. And then in the fall of last year, fall of 2021, we started meeting here in Pasadena, California, uh, in, a, in, a, in a church building that we're renting from another church. Mm -hmm. And so... We have to know, and we've lived here in, in, in Pasadena and Monrovia area for, for six years, we, we have been studying the history of this land. We're mm. standing on stolen land mm -hmm. of the Tonga peoples, and that's the first thing that we did. We did mm. a land acknowledgement the first time that we met at the, ch at the church where we are meeting now. It was important for us to know that the church building that we're meeting at right now was, was built in 1960, and... So located in history, 1960, what was happening mm -hmm. during that time, right? Civil rights. Mm -hmm. So that church was built out of white flight. That mm -hmm. congregation left L.A. to the outside of L.A., which is now Pasadena at that time, mm -hmm. out of white flight. That's mm -hmm. important information to know because yes. that is a spiritual thing mm -hmm. as well as, so, as a social thing. Mm -hmm. But Funny, haha, -ha, we're here. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> we're in that building. <laughs> Look at God. Look at God. <laughs> Repairing the work. <laughs> and so uh, in, my, in my work, in our work of multi-ethnic church ministry, uh, reconciliation has been cheapened in some mm. multi-ethnic yes. churches. And I get to critique it because I have paid the price and mm. I have paid the cost of doing that work. I have I have paid the bills there, um, and I've been burnt. Uh, I, have, I have paid the cost of that kind of calling towards reconciliation in and through a local church. Mm -hmm. But multi-ethnic church and multi-ethnic church planting, I get to critique it because I've been doing this for 20 years, has often been a work of assimilation. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so in our church, we say, and I say, we say, no presence without power. Mm. 
no presence without power. What does that mean? Dr. Corey Edwards gave me that line uh, at a, at a multi-ethnic church conference many years ago mm-hmm. where she says, if you have presence of people of color, but you do not give them power and authority, then that, that is, that is inequity, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I call, what I like to say is that no presence without power. Otherwise, that's just a multi-ethnic church plantation. Mm. And it looks great on the brochure. It looks great on the website. But if you ask questions mm. and you ask what people are paid and you ask who has power and you ask who is over budgets and you ask who gets to preach and teach, then you mm. find out if it just looks good on the outside but on the inside, it has the rotten fruit of sexism and racism. Mm. So a multi-ethnic church plantation is to have presence of people, the presence of people of color with no power, especially mm. women of color. Mm. And so I no Ooh. longer. Say it I no again. Longer, Say it yeah. again for the people in the back. For the people, people in are, the back. Yes who want and, and, and have a desire and have good intentions mm-hmm. to have a multi-ethnic church. Mm. But if you have presence of people of color without power, that is called a multi-ethnic church plantation. Mm. Dr. Michael Emerson says that churches are 10 times more segregated than the neighborhoods that they, they are in. Mm. And he is actually the one that, that says that that would be a multi-ethnic church plantation, that there's several things that it looks good on the outside, Mm. But on the inside, whiteness is still running it. Mm. Mm. And I'll tell you something, Tasha. Mm. There are people of color also leading mm-hmm. multi-ethnic churches mm-hmm. that operate with a system of whiteness mm-hmm. because the yeah. hierarchy is so strong yeah. that women are not thriving. Mm. Women of color are not thriving. And so mm. the question is, the question is, are there presence of people of color without power? Mm. And I, I, I toiled Ooh. hard at the past church where I was at in Arkansas. I toiled hard. And when I realized that they wanted my presence without my voice, or they wanted me to keep quiet, talk about Jesus, but don't talk about justice, mm-hmm. um, I found out that eventually <laughs> my mentor, Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil said, Inez, how long will you be complicit in your own oppression? Mm. How long will you be compris- complicit in your own oppression? Mm. Because racism and sexism is self-perpetuating and self-correcting mm. and not self-correcting, excuse me. And so it has to be interrupted. So we have to be the prophetic disruptors, even in multi-ethnic spaces to say, hold up. We are just repeating what the colonizers did. We're mm. doing the same thing. Mm. We're doing the same thing. It has an appearance of multi-ethnicity, but the way things are run, the way that it's consumeristic, the way that it's not about discipleship, of people, the way that it's about uh, uh, about the love of money, mm-hmm. the way that it's about the building of platforms and not investing in people, the way that it's about the building of buildings and not building the body of Christ, that has infected the North American church, mm. that type of white Christianity mm. that cares more about buildings and building funds than about the body of Christ mm. standing at the border, mm. right? It, and so... Oof. In multi-ethnic church, I'm very critical of it because I have paid the price of it. And what I want is a multi-ethnic church that uh, lives up to Mm -hmm. the liberating power of Christ, where all bodies are flourishing and thriving, especially women of color. Mm. 
because all systems of oppression have been built on the backs of women, especially black women. Mm. And so we need uh, uh, to repair that inequity. So I am very intentional in co-leading. I don't have to co-lead with, with, mm -hmm. with another male, but we're doing this as a form of embodied reconciliation. Mm -hmm. I'm co-leading with a pastor who happens to be white, who happens to be male, who happens to be from the South, a tall, blue-eyed, educated male. Mm -hmm. I'm not married, we're married, but not to each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, doing that dance of mm -hmm. submitting to each other in respectful mutuality mm -hmm. is an act of justice and an act of repair. Mm. In 20 years, Tasha, in 20 years of ministry, this is the first time that I'm being paid, I'm not afraid to say this, equal as a man. Mm. Mm. Everybody likes to talk about reconciliation until you have to pay a woman mm. what she is worth. Mm. <laughs> and so in this church, <laughs> so in this church, if I'm not paid equally, mm. what am I telling the women and the women of color here? Mm. Right? Yeah. Uh, that would be a multi-ethnic church plantation. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what I get to critique yeah. about multicultural, multi-ethnic spaces that you're talking about, where I have been before, where you look deep inside, you look with a microscope and mm, I smell whiteness here. Mm. I smell mm, white normativity here. Mm. And the men that have been most disrespectful and most aggressive to me actually have been men of color. Mm. When it comes to church mm. planting and church leadership. Mm. And I think it's because our brothers have suffered for such a mm -hmm. long time that some of them will get a little bit of power. Mm. And with a scarcity mentality, mm -hmm. they may feel threatened by the voice of a mm. strong woman like you or I. Mm. And what I want to tell my brothers is, ain't nobody trying to take nothing away from you. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. we live with that scarcity mentality mm -hmm. of competition and not collaboration, that yes. too has affected multi-ethnic church yes. ministry. Yes, That, that uh, platform-driven, I believe pride comes before the platform. We ought to be, we ought to be uh, in fear and trembling, stepping on platforms because who yeah. we're representing is the living God yeah. and his living love. Yeah. And it's not about us. And so mm. my father keeps me humble there. My father always says, do not fall in love with the sound of your own voice. Mm. But, that, but that sense of competition, yes. not collaboration, has infected yes, the has. North American church. Yes. And, yes. and maybe we should, we should have a little bit of obscurity yeah. as, as leaders, as pastors. Um, we ought to smell like sheep. We ought to be yeah. doing that work. Um, but yeah, so I, so I look at the multi-ethnic church and everything from, the, from how we're leading together and body leadership across gender, across race, um, in our church, uh, the systems, how we're building these systems. We're not wanting to repeat the mistakes of what we have seen in previous churches. We'll probably make mistakes. We probably already have. Mm -hmm. But the church we hope for is we hope to live up to the life and love mm -hmm. and justice of Jesus in everything that we do, including how much I get paid or how much, you know, or how we empower other women mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, or how we create non-hierarchical systems. I, I believe that all hierarchies mm. are misogynistic in nature mm, and they've mm. been affected by the fall in Genesis 3. So mm. we all have this temptation and tendency. Mm -hmm. It can be two women mm -hmm. leading together. We have a temptation of want to be supreme over the other, mm. or want to dominate over the mm -hmm. other. So we have inherited this, this demon of domination from Genesis mm -hmm. 3 
man or woman, whether it's two women leading together, two men, or we, we, we see this, this demon of wanting to dominate another because mm. of, of, of that scarcity mentality and thinking mm. there's less, there's going to be less for us. Yeah. Yeah. When, when our father, when God our father and God our mother too, um, has invited us to a feast, to yeah. a feast. Yeah. And there's no need to compete. So, mm. yeah. So good. And I, I mean, you just, you hit so much of that, you know, because we are impacted. That's why this work um, as a reconciler is a lifestyle and we're That's always right. learning. It's not something that, hey, we're just teaching to this group of people, but this is a, 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 a work for yes. all of us to embrace and to live out. And you never arrive in the moment never. that we think we've arrived is when we know that we are in sin. Yes. <laughs> <You know>? And, <laughs> That's and it's right. like, I'm always learning. And, and, and then this thing where always checking yourself, especially you talk about, you know, we need more collaboration and not as much competition. And some of these things that I see is that we have to also learn how to go to each other, um, mm. you know, um, before the call out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. you know, I, I see a lot of that happening and it yes. breaks my heart, especially with um, people of color. And it's like, are you going to your brother or your sister in, in private and saying, hey, let's, I, I want to help you with this. And then yeah. are you, if someone is coming to you yeah. like that um, in humility, are you willing to listen? And I think yeah. that those are just some, some key things that you hit on. Um, just in your experiences, you know, um, where sometimes it's, 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 you know, your own kinfolk, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and we have to learn to work in solidarity. And, and it's, it's just really the, the enemy that sometimes it like kind of tears us apart because yeah. I know for me, yeah. um, when there is conflict with other, you know, brown people, that yeah. hits me hard because you expect it you expect Mm. it sometimes from your white brothers and sisters because you know the history and all those things but when it happens with your own people it like it crushes it it crushes me it cuts deep and you know and I know there's a lot of people that's even um um, speaking to that and then that's why sometimes other voices are used even in the system other brown voices are used in the system of white supremacy to pit us yeah. against one another that's, that's right that's also um a trick you see it all yes. the time you know um politics within the church like all of yep. the, these things to to kind of contradict but i one of the things you were describing i just kept thinking about act six you know mm. and um just um, just the feeding of the widows. And then, mm. you know, and if you look at that, yeah. you know, it wasn't just, you know, I think it's like the Bible shows us the way, That's you right. know, and, and it's like, you, you, you see this conflict of, of, of food and it wasn't just about yep. food. It was also ethnic hostility. It was, you know, and, and it's like you, but it, and look at the way it was resolved in yes. the planting of the leaders over the food. So there was a switch of power, Yes, you know, because they knew and understood that, hey, our eyes may be prejudiced here. That's you know? right. We're only going to see things one way. We're not seeing things like the, the, the marginalized group. So we need yeah. to shift our power and put the marginalized group over that because if we don't, 
it could really um, hinder the movement of the early church. Yes. That could have been it, right? That could have been it. That could have been it. If if Peter had not confessed mm-hmm. his prejudice, yes. that could have been it. That he would have not have been, been the rock of the yes. church. Yes. If Peter had not been called by the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. moved towards Cornelius's house, yes. and the first thing he says is the, the weirdest thing anyone would say if you yeah. go into somebody else's home. Now, you know I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> you and I are not supposed to be eating together, hanging out together, sharing utensils. So... Peter is having a social transformation yes, yes. that his faith was affecting how, who he feasted with and mm-hmm. how, and Cornelius is like waiting for the word of God. But, but Peter, Peter in his prejudice is like going, I, I, I don't know how to act here. I don't know. I've never been in a Gentile's home. You know, if, if you change that wording, it may sound weird to modern right, ears. Right. And so, yeah, Peter who had been with our Jesus, who yes. had seen the verbs of Jesus mm-hmm. and how Jesus acted and always included, never excluded, always restored people when he healed them into the community that had rejected and marginalized them and ostracized yeah. them. And so, so it must be with us. If Peter can't take a pass at reconciliation, yeah. then we can't take a pass at, mm. at reconciliation. And, and, you know, and, and, and often, and, and same with Paul. And like, there was, yep, that's what I was, there, there was so also. many conflicts there. <laughs> Imagine inviting the them. enemy that just killed, you just yes. saw them kill Stephen and they're coming into your house. That's like. right. Like, what are you doing here? Who did you bring? Who did yes. you bring? Who did you bring? And Paul yeah. often gets beat up. Mm-hmm. Not because he's preaching Jesus, mm-hmm. but in the book of Acts, he's getting beat up because he brought Gentiles into the church. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. would you bring those people? There's, mm-hmm. there's a we and they narrative yes. that yes. is paying close attention in Acts yes. 6. Yes. Which bodies are being fed and who yeah. is not being fed. That's power dynamics. And then mm-hmm. further on with, with, with Peter. You know, uh, the circumcised believers, which there's only one kind of circumcision, right? <laughs> so right, right. who is it? Men. So yeah. the circumcised believers are like, Peter, you went and had pork tacos with those people? Like you still smell like pork. Now, you mm. know that they're not part of our story yeah. and they're not part of our people. Dynamics. Yeah. Power dynamics. And what does yeah. Peter say? Peter's like, hey, man, like, yo. The spirit fell on them the same yes. way that the spirit fell on us. Yes. Who am I then to stand in the way yes. of their baptism? And so the early church is struggling and yes. wrestling with a case study of desegregation and integration. They don't know how to be together. Mm. They mm. don't know how to be with together. So yes. that prejudice that has Oof. infected relational dynamics in the early church is still with us today. So if Mm. they can't take a pass at it, if they can be a little bit awkward with it, then we'll, we'll have to be, you said earlier, I love what you said. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable Mm. and, and we have to be willing to sound a little bit foolish like Peter at times and say, uh, uh, yeah, now I'm not supposed to be here or (laughs) I'm not supposed to eat with you, but, but Jesus, right. But Jesus, um, and we see that awkwardness of their relational dynamics mm. all throughout the book of Acts and the spirit doing mm. something new. The spirit yeah. is the heartbeat of heaven. And it is the spirit that built the church, not the apostles. Yeah. The spirit yeah. was moving bodies, the yeah. body of Peter and the body of Cornelius towards each other. Mm. If we're paying attention today, the spirit is still doing his mm. or her work of moving us towards each other 
repenting of the baggage that we bring into our faith and saying mm. no more, not yeah. anymore. You've heard it said that we used to not share the same diner. You've heard it said that we used to yeah. drink out of separate water fountains. You've heard it said, uh, you know, that if, if, I mean, Jesus is just reminding us of the ethics of Yahweh in the Old mm. Testament. The ethics mm. of Yahweh were to take care of the widow, the orphan, the foreigner, the sick, and the poor. Mm. Jesus is the embodiment yes. of God the Father's uh, love for the immigrant, the orphan, the sick, the poor, and, uh, and the foreigner. Mm. And so, so it is with us. Mm. So it is with us. That's, that's justice in the yes. Old Testament. And there's more verses yes. about justice Yes. There is about sex in exactly. the in all the New Testament, anything else, and anything else. And so that's the invitation. That's the disruption. That's mm. um, yeah. It is an invitation, and it is a disruption to reimagine. What do we do now? Yeah. Do we like who we have become as a North American church? Mm. Do mm. we like who you and I have become? Do we still have mm. more to go? Mm. More to go. Mm. I love that the name of a church is the church we hope for because I hope that we never arrive. I hope that we're constantly saying, oh, look at this. I have something new to learn. I mm. hope we have, we're lifelong learn learners and that 20 years from now, our children will say, well, y'all missed the boat on this one. And mm. here's another opportunity to keep growing at reconciliation mm. and justice. Who else has been excluded that we haven't welcomed into the conversation? But we are, we are hoping to create a safe space where all lives are flourishing and where we're attentive to the bodies connected to those souls mm -hmm. in this church. And we're hoping to lead, um, uh, to lead in a church uh, that will be different, that will be creating a different habitat mm. and a different ecosystem because it's led by a woman of color as well. Mm. Mm. We're hoping that that will have yeah. an impact because less than 14% of women, of churches in the U.S. are led by women. Then mm. we're also hoping to create a disruptive imagination to, 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 to lead alongside a white male. What does it look like for a white mm. male to, in, in mutuality, submit to a mm. woman at times and vice versa, and mm. to do so without killing each other, right? Mm. What does it look like to have respectful mutuality mm. so that there will be flourishing? What does it mm. look like to have a church um, where we're healing from racial trauma and sexual trauma and gender mm. Uh, trauma and mm. microaggressions and microaggressions. What does it look like? Mm. We don't even know yet because we don't even know what's normal. Mm. We've only seen what's abnormal. Mm. So the first thing that we're doing is justice wow. begins with repair and it begins with our bodies yes. slowly before we like yes. vroom, run to do. Yeah. Great and mighty things. So good, so good. <laughs> and I tell you, you hit, I was gonna say, you know, one of the questions I, I typically ask um, our, our guests, like, you know, what are some of the things you're lamenting? And we kind of talked about that stuff, what yeah. the things that you're lamenting as it relates to the church. And normally how I close out a podcast is, um, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you hopeful for? Um, mm. Just to give people hope and you just, just mm. express that so beautifully uh, about hope because there is hope. Things look That's right. desolate right now. Yes. Things sometimes look so depraved, like, but yeah. um, God is always good, you yes. know? And it's That's like, right. and, and to say that, even after, I tell you, let me tell you, it's been a two years Whew. 
for for me that have yes. been undescribable with the loss of my dad and yes. just everything. And I just yeah. I, I go back and it wasn't just words that I said, but I remember at my father's funeral, um, and this was so unexpected, standing um on that space. I don't even mm. know how I found the strip to even speak. Mm. But I remember the first words out of my mouth was God is still good. That's right. And, and 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 for God to manifest that in my heart where sometimes like it doesn't feel so good, but yeah. speaking those words yeah. help manifest it in my, yes. my heart because we can see the goodness of God. We can see the goodness right. of God through what he's creating through the church we hope for. And, you know, yeah. um, um, the collaboration. I can see the goodness of God through what is happening and be the bridge and um, teaching yeah. this way of 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 reconcilers and um, so that people truly understand um, the the true theology around that. Yeah. And, um, and so one of the things that this other thing, I you know, sometimes I don't know because things sometimes can be so broken. We don't understand how to reimagine a system. Yes. You know, yes. and and so how do we re- reimagine a church where we have to sometimes give people a vision, yes. you know, to see, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. God has That's given right. us a vision of something great and spectacular and beautiful and whole and holy. And it's yes. like, but if we haven't seen it, how do how do you see it? Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. and, and it's like, but what, you know, how did you, do you reimagine um, the church? If we could. Yes. If, to, and, and this is what we need to see, because this yes. is what is to come. It, that is what is to come. If, if anything, the pandemic flattened our ideas and our imaginations yeah. of what church was. And we had to learn how to be a body without a building because we mm. started as a house church and then the pandemic hit. And then we created an online community where we had to care for our the body of Christ without a building. Mm. And it, it forced us to be creative because mm. necessity is a mother of all inventions, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we learned to be the body without a building. We also learned to be attentive to the bodies that were coming to our community. Mm. And we welcomed those voices. And so we have Filipino voices in our midst, African-American voices in our midst, Latinx voices in our midst, mm-hmm. um, uh, people with different abilities in our midst. And so as we reimagine, if we amplify those voices and give them presence and power, mm-hmm. it is a community-informed reimagination. Mm. And, it, and so we decenter the clergy. This church mm-hmm. is not about Bobby and I. This is not the Bobby and Ines show. Right. But if we give it to the priesthood of believers, they mm. will inform how mm. this becomes a safe space a flourishing mm. space, a thriving place. And mm. so we also reimagine with uh, what we call rituals and centering images, uh, rituals mm-hmm. of, of, of our different ethnic spaces and our different mm-hmm. communities. We bring them to the center. And so we mm. say that in our church, the margins are our middle, not whiteness. Mm. Mm. The margins are our middle. So we bring in uh, rituals, we bring in practices, we bring in mm. uh, images to disrupt our anemic imagination mm. of mm. whiteness. Mm. Uh, we don't say, well, in this church, we've always done it this way. We don't say that from the beginning. Mm. In this church, we believe in kapwa. Oh, what is kapwa? Oh, I learned that in the Filipino culture. Kapwa is the deep interconnectedness of all things. Oh, wow. Mm. What does that mean? Mm. What does that mean for when we eat? What foods we bring? What does that mean for how we gather? 
What does that mean for mm. who has the mic? What yeah. does that mean for X, Y, Z? So yeah. we're imagining all systems informed with the community that we are with. Mm. And their eyes and their hearts are speaking into the life of this church. So this mm. is not just the Ines and Bobby, Ines and Bobby show. And we need that type of reimagination. What is the spirit doing here? What is the spirit? Mm. How, how are all these ethnic communities a gift to this church? And are their voices not just being represented, but they're being built up and they're mm. helping build up. So this church is very community informed. Mm. There's also trauma informed as we're healing, we're mm. healing from our trauma. Imagine what it would look like for the voices to be equitable. Yeah. Imagine for what it would look like for the budget to be equitable. Imagine mm. what it would look like for the type of work that we're doing in the community to be uh, a representation of our heartbeat. If we're mm. an immigrant community, then how are we being incarnation on the immigrant community? Mm. If there's an Asian American community, how are we standing in solidarity? There's been times that I have, we have created safe spaces for our Asian American community to mourn and lament the anti-Asian rhetoric where I did not need to be present because mm. I, though I'm a woman of color, I'm not Asian or mm. Asian descent, descent, and my presence would have maybe created a non-safe space. Mm. I've had to learn that as a leader. Mm. It, is, it, it confounds me at times, but mm. I've needed to step away from places and let uh, our Asian sisters lead themselves, and mm. I don't need to be there and be okay with that. Mm. That's mm. a reimagination. Yeah. That means that the bodies in our church, their dreams, uh, their, um, um, the places where there may be uh, a fear or needing to repair, mm -hmm. uh, they are informing how we are becoming a community mm. together. There's no handbook for that, Tasha. Yeah. What I do is I listen and I ask a lot of questions mm. and I say, can you help me understand Mm. What do you need from me? I'm a multi-ethnic church leader. I'm not just a Latina leader. Mm. I'm a multi-ethnic church leader. And so I need to often ask and be a student and yeah. others be my teacher. That requires humility. Mm. That requires courage. That also requires that sometimes I'll say, oh, I am sorry. That was not my intent to say, to mm. say when I said this, I may have offended you. I did not meet. Can you help me understand? Mm. Because I'm a multi-ethnic church faith leader. And mm. so the reimagination requires that everybody in the body of Christ in a non-individualistic mm -hmm. way, but a collectivistic way, is building this church together mm. so that mm. it can be safe and it can be a place of flourishing. Yeah. And it can be an ecosystem where yeah. the life, love, and justice of Jesus is at the center. There's mm. no handbook. We're learning as we go, just like in the book of Acts. Yeah. We're learning yeah. as we go. And it requires so to let go of power, too. Yeah. Like all power. So good. So we could talk forever and for we days. Remind and me that we, uh, we are session we, two. <laughs> yes. We are at the time, but this has been so rich and so good. And I know that, um, that, um, there's going to be so much that our community is going to get from our, this discussion here and from this podcast. Um, before I just really feel led, um, before we close, there's two things. Uh, one thing you, you mentioned, um, you know, go, growing up in a bilingual school and how, um, you were ostracized and, and, you know, you got in trouble for, um, 
and detention for you know speaking your language um and that is something uh, my f- friend Eloise um, also told me that happened and uh, and to her you know being born in the states you know yeah. um she's a latina woman um in texas you know um that yes. same thing same happened rhetoric. to same rhetoric and uh, to, to um our communities and that's why you know so many people and, you know, especially in certain parts of the country, don't know they're, you know, they're Latino, but they don't know Spanish because yes. it was, you know, basically beaten out of their grandparents or their yep. parents, you know, mm. um, and because yep. of fear, they didn't teach it to their children. Yeah. Um, but one of the things we have a group of pastors, um, um, a community of 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 almost 2000 pastors uh, within Be The Bridge that pastors that are. Um, you know, really leaning into this conversation to learn and to grow. Um, I would love for you to pray for them. Um, yeah. I, I, we've only done prayers on mm. the podcast a couple of times, mm. but I, you know, I know we're over time now, but I would mm-hmm. love for you to pray for that pastor who mm. has a heart or, you know, for multi-ethnic ministry that they are trying um, to reimagine on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. And, um, to create um, a, a church that it, that in in a world that um, incorporates the flourishing of all. Um, so would you would you just pray um, for um, the Absolutely. pastors? Some of these pastors have um, been let go of of mm. their churches. They've been yeah. ridiculed, voted out. Um, um, some of them have lost members because of their commitment to this, yeah. um, you know, and, and, you know, so just, just, mm. I would love to just lift them up in prayer and yes. have you pray over them. Yes. I would love that. Thank you, Tasha. Thank you. Um, God, our father and God, our mother. Yes. Thank you. We praise you because great is your name. Mm. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. And God, I pray right now for your servants. <coughs> God, I pray for your servants that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon them. Mm. Because you, God, have anointed them to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. (coughs) I have a tickle in my throat. I'm sorry. Hold on. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. We can edit. (laughs) Don't worry. Yeah. Yes. <coughs> you good? <coughs> That's why. Take your time. I think my throat just got dry. <clears throat> yeah. Because <laughs> we have been talking a lot. You see, I was sipping the entire time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me know when you're good. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you could just pick up. We can, um, Mm -hmm. you can just um, edit. Yeah. And God, I pray for my, I pray for my sisters and brothers who you have called with the spirit of liberation to speak and proclaim the good news to all people. I know that my sisters and brothers have paid a high cost for this calling because reconciliation comes at a high price and a high cost. So Jesus, I pray that you who are well acquainted with their grief would draw close and come near, Mm. that you would comfort them like a mother, that you would comfort them in their families, with their communities, 
that you would comfort them in all the places where they need your encouragement and your comfort because they have paid a, a high price. God, you are the one that collects our tears and you know the friends that they have lost, the finances that they have lost, the sleep that they have lost, maybe even the courage to speak that they have lost. And so Jesus, come alongside them. Holy Spirit, wrap your arms around them that you may encourage them. And while you encourage them, <clears throat> give them courage to keep going on. Give them the courage that we that they need, even if it comes in small increments. Wherever their courage is slow, would you comfort them and give them courage, God? Mm. Jesus, who, you who are well acquainted with this grief, you were strengthened often by the Spirit to move and live and breathe and have your being. Mm. So I pray for these pastors um, that you would give them hope for their lives, that you would give them purpose in all the places where they may be uh, depressed or sad or discourage God, would you come with the strength of Jehovah? Would you, would you come with a spirit of deliverance? Would you come with good news for them? Mm. Because they have paid the price for preaching the good news for all people. May the good news also come to them in all the places where they are brokenhearted, where they have been oppressed, where they have been misunderstood. Mm. Jesus, come close and draw near. May they find a community, a tribe, a familia, where they can have collective hope and yes. collective resilience and collective compassion and collective mercy mm. to just take the next faithful step forward, God. Give them vision, wherever their vision has dimmed, wherever their eyes have dimmed, give them vision, God, mm. just to take the next step. God, I know that you sometimes don't give us a full vision at once. You just give us enough information to, to take the next faithful step. So be with my sisters and brothers, God. Be with these pastors. Pastor their souls, God. Pastor and shepherd their bodies and their souls and provide in miraculous ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much just for your time. And I know um, this is going to be great. Go to the donors table if you'd like to hear the unedited version of this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. And transcribed by Sarah Conitzer. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production.